back to Yesterday Today. I'm Jake Westbrook. This is McLean Westbrook, and we're coming at you live from the front lawn outside of our building where we rent our uh, studio space today because we have a... All right, I gotta fill you in on some backstory. So, our legal counsel, Willie, has started a college. I'm sure it's a scam somehow. I'm not sure how yet. We will... Hopefully get more information on that soon. But in order to start this college, he signed our names, well, forged our names, really, to a bank loan. Somewhere in that loan, Sydney, who Willie had promised a professorship in this supposed college to, Sydney snuck in a clause that stipulated that while he was professoring, we had to take over his duties here as he is the janitor of this building. He handed me a to-do list before he dashed out the door in a full-on cap and gown. I'm not sure where he was going, but the list reads, Get milk from Virgil, rake leaves, and feed Mondo. Um, I already fed Mondo. Uh, tossed a side of beef to him earlier. Oh, thank you! It was delicious! You're welcome, Mondo. And so the other two things left are get milk and rake leaves. Yeah, get the milk from Virgil. That's, uh... Sydney's milkman he hired a contract with so he could make cheese in his office. If this is your first time listening to Yesterday Today, Jill sent me say that this amount of shenanigans and tomfoolery, it's pretty typical. I'm sure you're very confused right now. Don't I don't blame you. Um, For the record, there is there is not a chance that I would honor this agreement to do Sydney's job for him, his menial labor. If it wasn't for the fact that Raking Leaves goes in very well with the theme of today's show of fall, autumn, the autumnal equinox. It does, actually. It does fit in very well. The first show we have here today is The Aldrich Family, in which the fun-loving teenagers who may or may not be a ripoff of Archie Comics are setting off to have a hot dog roast to uh, take advantage of the lovely fall weather. So while that's playing, we're going to get started Raking Leaves here, and uh, I think that milkman's running late, but... Uh, yeah, he should be by soon. Yeah, Virgil should be here by now. Anyway, get your get your sweaters, get your blankets, get your your pumpkin flavored coffees, because it is it is. Yeah, okay, you're laying it on a little thick, McLean. Just just start I'm, raking the leaves, buddy. I'm sorry. There's a lot of leaves. I know. There's so stinking many trees out here. The Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith. And starring Ezra Stone as Henry, with Jackie Kelk as Homer. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! Most growing things shed their foliage and settle down to rest for the winter. But an impulsive teenage boy never rests. In the case of Henry Aldrich, the fall air merely increases his normal speed. The scene opens in the Centerville Butcher Shop on Main Street. It is early afternoon. Uh, now then, Henry, I guess you're next. Well, Mr. Pritchard, <clears throat> I'm here. So I see. Here I am, Mr. Pritchard. I've come to pick up my order. What order? See, when is my wieners? Remember, I phoned and asked if you'd if you'd get me three dollars worth of extra fresh ones. Oh, uh, oh, you did? Sure. Uh, oh, sure. Sure. 
Gee, is that Charlie Clark going by? Excuse me a minute. Hey, Charlie! Hi, Henry. Uh, Charlie, have the kids got everything straight? Sure, I guess so. You're all to go to McCorkle's Rocks on your bike. Sure. And nobody's to light the fire until I get there. Okay. Okay. Why? Why what? Why do we have to wait till you get there? Because, Charlie, because I'm organizing the whole thing. Oh. Sure. Why? 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 Gee whiz, so nothing will go wrong. Henry, did you say $2 worth or $3 worth? $3, Mr. Pritchard. Okay. Extra fresh. Now listen, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie, where'd you go to? Gee whiz. Mr. Pritchard, are you taking those wieners out of the showcase? Sure. But didn't you order special ones just for me? Why, sure, Henry. I've just been saving them just for you. Right here in the corner of the showcase. Ah. Oh, well, that's good. <sighs> Boy, have I got a headache. Oh, that's too bad. I don't know why I let myself get talked into, into managing these things. Excuse me. Do you mind if I just watch you weigh those wieners? Right, now, look, Henry, just keep away from these scales. Sure, I'd be glad to. Only I have to look after all the little details, such as... Well, such as... Uh, such as what? Well, Mr. Pritchard, I don't suppose your thumb's actually resting on the scales. It just looks like it. Uh, look, I'll throw in two extra wieners if you get down off my counter. Sure. Gee, thanks very much. You want me to leave the wieners in this here box? Yes, please. And would you put some heavy brown paper on it and lots of string? All right. I don't want anything to go wrong. I... You got everything straight, Homer? I got your bike from the garage, if that's what you mean. Did they check it from top to bottom? They put air in the tires. What else can you do with a bike? It's got to be in perfect running order, Homer. I told you that. I've got a big responsibility. Listen, Henry, who asked you to be responsible anyway? What do you mean by that? Just because the kids gave you the money for the wieners, that doesn't mean you had to talk everybody into pedaling way out into the country. Well, what's wrong with that? Gee whiz, it's work. But think of the appetite it'll give you. Henry, I don't need anything to give me an appetite. <laughs> Why can't we have the wiener roast in your backyard the way you said in the first place? Homer, when I invited the kids to my backyard, how was I to know my father had just planted grass seed and was going to be unreasonable about it? Well, what's the matter with your front lawn? Homer, listen. Why sit on an uncomfortable lawn when you can sit in solid comfort on McCorkle's Rock? Uh, here, Henry, uh, here's your wieners. Uh, that'll be $3. Sure, I've got it right here. Right? Henry, what's the matter? Oh, boy. Why are you turning all your pockets inside out? Oh, boy. Homer, Homer, have you got any money? What do you mean if I got any money? Where's our $3? I had it, I had it, I had it in this pocket here. That one with the hole in it? It was all folded up. Oh, boy. Mr. Pritchard, what are you doing? Are you blind, Henry? He's unwrapping the wieners. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Pritchard, wait a minute. Homer, I want you to go all the way back to my house on your hands and knees. Now, listen, Henry. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Why are you taking your shoe off? Look! Here's the three dollars in my sock. What? And it's still all folded up. Well, I'll be done. Mr. Pritchard, would you mind wrapping those wieners up again? All right. Boy, Homer, isn't this my lucky day? I'll say. Let's get going. Where'd you put my bike? Uh, right out there at the curb, behind that truck. You mean the one that's... Homer, the truck's backing up. Hey! Oh, gee, where's my bike? Hey, mister, look out! Hey, cut it out!
Hello? Hello, is that you, Charlie? Sure, who's this? It's Henry. Hiya, Charlie, old kid. How's the kid? What kid? Look, Charlie, you know what, I, what I've been doing? I've been thinking. You have Henry again? What do you mean by a statement like that? Well, you did some thinking yesterday, Henry, and all I did was get confused. What's confusing about it, Charlie? Instead of sitting around and being bored in my backyard, we're having a swell wiener roast in the open air at McCorkle's Rocks. What's the, so confusing about that? Nothing, I guess. Except you keep changing your mind all the time. No, I don't. Okay. We're all going out to McCorkle's Rocks on our bikes. That's final. Well, look. Charlie, and that's what I've been thinking about. We're just letting ourselves in for a lot of trouble going on bikes. We are? Why? Well, for one thing, they're tearing up a piece of the road out there. And boy, there are ruts all over the place. Yeah? Sure, and detours. And, uh, and, uh, it's a regular booby trap, Charlie. Gee whiz. So look. Why don't we get all the kids to get their father's cars and drive out there in solid comfort? Through all those ruts? Well, Charlie, look, you go through a rut on a bike and you're up a tree. What? But you go through a rut in a car and where are you? Where? Gee whiz, in a rut. That's the beautiful part, Charlie. You stay there. That's true. So, do you think you can swing it from bikes to cars? I'm all confused again, Hen, but I'll try. I'll phone a couple of the fellas and go to work on my father and call you back. Okay, you do that. Have you got your father's car? It's practically in the bag. So long. Father! Father, are you upstairs? I'm in my room, Henry. You are? Can I help you with anything? As a matter of fact, I'm hunting for something. Oh, I'll help you hunt, Father. I'll start on this drawer here. What are we looking for? Never mind, Henry. What is it you want? Why, now that you mention it, Father... We've always been pretty good pals, haven't we? I think so, son. Sure. That's what I'm always telling the kids. Boy, I say, is my father a reasonable sort of guy? He has his fault, sure, but don't we all? The main thing is, he's generous. Who is? You are, father. And boy, I think, I think if a person is generous, then the rest can just go out the window. Would you like a wiener, father? You're throwing them out the window? No, no, gee whiz, I'm just not letting them out of my sight. Father... I'll get right to the point. I'm glad to hear it. I'll ask you straight from the shoulder. Uh, you know your car? Pretty well. I've been on intimate terms with it for ten years. <laughs> well, sure, that's my point. What is? Father, you remember the other night you said you didn't feel you should get a new car until this one was worn out? Yes, I believe I said that. Well, don't you agree that the only way to wear it out is to use it? I do use it. Sure, Father, but I don't. Henry, I don't want it worn out that quickly. Well, Father, Father, if you just lend it to me tonight, I'll give you my word you'll never know it had been in a rut. What's that? Oh, I mean, well, it's a matter of life and death, Father, and all the other kids are getting cars, I think. Henry, if you want to borrow my car this evening, why don't you come right out and ask for it? You mean I can have it? Well, if you can show me a good reason why you need it. Oh, I can, Father. I can dig up as many reasons as you want. Henry! Yes, Mother? You want it on the phone. Oh, boy, that'll be Charlie. I'll be right back, Father, with my reasons. Thanks, Mother. Henry, slow down. My goodness, Sam. What's the matter with Henry? Well, that's a pretty involved subject, Alice. 
Right now, I'm trying to find my maroon tie. What maroon tie, Sam? My favorite, Alice. The one I wear all the time. I've been hunting high and low for it all week. Now, dear, you don't want that tie. It was worn practically to shreds. Alice, why do you say that? Dear, let's talk about it some other time. I have to go down to start dinner. Alice, what happened to my maroon tie? Very well, Sam. To be perfectly frank, Henry borrowed it. What? Now, dear, before you lose your temper, try to think of all the nice things he does. Henry! Sam, there's no use asking him for it. Why not? Well, as I said, it was pretty well worn and... and... Well, you see, Henry was patting this horse. What? And you know those little white squares on the tie? Sam, you have to admit, they do look like lumps of sugar. <laughs> Alice... Do you mean some strange horse ate my tie? Oh, no, Sam. No? It was Gus's horse, Sheila. You know Sheila did. Alice, that's the third thing Henry has borrowed and not returned this week. Henry isn't the only one, dear. There's that book you borrowed over a year ago called History of the Roman Empire. Uh, Alice, that's different. I, I don't remember who I borrowed it from. Have you made much of an effort to find out? Alice, I never heard of anyone called Aunt Tilly. And that's the only name in the book. Henry, where are you? And now, dear, try not to get angry. I'm just going to teach Henry a lesson. You have, Charlie. You have your father all sewed up. Well, so have I. Henry, please put down that receiver. Sure, Father. So long, Charlie. And keep working on the rest of the kids. Henry, about my car... Sure, Father. Here are my reasons. You can forget the whole thing. Forget it? Father, you mean... You mean I can't have it? I do. But you haven't heard my reasons. Just sit down, son. I'll tell you a few of my reasons. Hello? Hi, Homer, old-timer. How are tricks? Is that you, Hen? Sure. I was just going to phone you. My father finally forked over his car. We're all set. We are? Well... Look, Homer, I've been thinking, and did I come up with a swell idea? Yeah. Sure, it's so good I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Look, why don't we all chip in and take a couple of taxis out to McCorkle's Rocks? A taxi? Sure, and ride out in solid comfort. Well, Henry, you take a taxi, and I'll go in my father's car. But wouldn't it be more fun if we all went together, and, and then besides, if we all chip in, it'll be cheaper. What do you mean cheaper? It wouldn't cost me a cent to go in my car. Well, think of the repair. What repair? Over that road is full of ruts. Why, some of them are this deep. They are? As deep as that? Sure. <laughs> sure, you'd stand a very good chance of wrecking your car out there. But, but a taxi's different. They're made to be wrecked. Well, how much would a taxi cost? I got it all figured out. Only $2 each. Henry, that's $2 more than I've got. All you got to do is work on your father. You've got a golden tongue, Homer. A what? A golden tongue. A golden tongue. I have. And I'll phone the other kids and get the wheels rolling. But, Father, Henry Aldridge can get $2. Now, wait, Charlie. Mother says it's all right with her and it's all right with Mr. Aldridge. So why isn't it all right with you? What do you want the $2 for? I told you you could have my car, didn't I? Yeah, but suddenly we've all decided to go out to McCorkle's Rocks by taxi. By taxi? Taxi? Why? Because, because of the ruts, and it's bad enough with a bicycle and with a car. Gee, only a taxi doesn't cost as much to fix like a car is when it's wrecked. What's that? 
I think that's my reason. I'm all confused. Now, just a minute. Who's running this Wiener Rose? Henry Aldridge. Very well. Before my headache gets any worse, I'm going to phone the Aldridge's and find out what's going on. I still don't think you'll understand it any more than I do. Number, please. Elm 303. Elm 303. Charlie, run along. Can I listen, Father? I'd like to find out what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. Now, run along. Yes, Father. Hello. Uh, hello, Mr. Aldridge. This is Mr. Clark. Oh, Sam, I'd just like to know if you're loaning Henry your car this evening or if you're giving him money or what. Well, I'm certainly not lending him my car. I'm being very firm about that. Boy, his age isn't capable of taking care of other people's belongings. I see. Recently, Henry's developed a bad habit of borrowing things and not returning them, so I've decided to clamp down. Good for you, Sam. Borrowing things is one of the worst faults a boy can have. Exactly. Some people never get over it, even when they grow up. I agree with you 100%. For example, Sam, somebody, I can't remember who it was, borrowed a favorite book of mine over a year ago. History of the Roman Empire, it was. Oh. Yes, sir. And I've never seen the book again. Uh, Mr. Clark, that's, uh, that's rather a coincidence. If you ask me, Sam, it's a perfect example of bad upbringing. I, I'm sure your book will show up one of these days, Mr. Clark. Uh, now, excuse me, I think I hear my wife calling me. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sam. Walter, uh, did I hear you talking about that history of the Roman Empire? You did? Well, I certainly wish you'd hurry and find it. Aunt Tilly keeps saying you borrowed it from her and never returned it. Now, Marion, it'll show up one of these days. Where is Charlie? Here I am, Father. Can I have the two dollars? You may not. You mean I have to go in your car? And you can't have the car either. A boy your age isn't capable of taking care of other people's belongings. But, Father... And I don't want any argument, Charlie. From now on, I'm clamping down around But here. how am I going to get to the wiener roast tonight? That's for Henry Aldrich to figure out. <laughs> to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry has undertaken the management of a wiener roast at McCorkle's Rocks. And when a truck ran over his bicycle, he swung the boys around to going in cars. Now Henry can't get a car. And his attempts to raise money for taxis seem to have backfired. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. It is six o'clock the same night. Homer, what do you mean by that? Lock the doors, Henry. Lock the doors. Why? Gee whiz. The kids are all on their way over here to your house, and boy, are they mad. What are they coming over here for? They're all going to punch you in the nose and take their wieners over to Willie's backyard and eat them. But I, I thought everybody was getting money for taxis. Oh, well, they were. Only everybody got confused, and our fathers started phoning each other, and now they've all decided to clamp down. But why? Well, as near as I can figure out... It's because your father says boys our age shouldn't borrow anything. Oh, boy. Well, frankly, Homer, I'm kind of tired. I don't mind a bit having the whole thing over at Willie's. The trouble is, him. What? You're not invited. What? I'm not invited? After all I've done? That's why you're not invited. <laughs> well, gee. Gee, that's the thanks you get. Well, now, wait a minute. Homer, listen, I've just got an idea. Henry, take my advice and forget it. Look, when the kids get here, you stall them, see? Don't let them get near the wieners. And in exactly half an hour, they're going to get the biggest surprise of their life. (laughs) 
Russ, is there any way we could hurry with this? No, you can't hurry a sensitive horse like Sheila, Henry. Not when it comes to hitching her to a hay wagon. I know, Gus, but it's 6.15. Go on, Sheila. Back up. Henry, it won't get you any place pushing her. You have to talk to her. Yeah? Sheila, listen, I'm talking to you. It's 6.15. And the kids won't wait much longer. Back we go, Sheila, baby. Back up to the nice wagon. I sure appreciate your doing this for me, Gus. Boy, wait till the kids hear they're having a hayride out to McCorkle's Rocks. But I'm not the one doing you a favor, Henry. It's Sheila. It is? Yeah. You don't know what this is costing her. She's allergic to hay, you know. But is that right? Yeah. Poor baby, she's got hay fever. <laughs> there you go, Sheila. Now let Gus put your harness on. Well, could I be taking care of this? Yeah. That's the bit, Henry. It goes in her mouth. Oh, yeah, sure. Here, Sheila. Open your mouth. You'll have to drive her real careful, Henry. She's a regular bundle of nerves tonight. She is? Yeah. Well, if she seems unhappy, I brought something along to give her. <laughs> something she loves. What is it? The other half of my father's maroon tie. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't bolt your supper like that. I'm not bolting. I'm just in a hurry. Did you wrap up the book? Yes, dear. And I padded it with brown paper. It's on the hall table. But I still wish you'd face Mr. Clark like a man instead of sneaking over there. Just as long as he gets his book back, he doesn't care how it gets there. Oh, I still don't approve of you just tossing the Roman Empire up on his front porch. <laughs> What's that? Don't worry, folks. It's only me. Homer, what are you doing at that window? I'm not coming in, Mr. Aldrich. I'm just scouting. Where's Henry? Have you heard from him? No, Homer, but he said he'd be back here by 6.30. Homer, are all the boys still on the front porch? Yes, sir. Why don't you have them wait inside? In the hall with Henry's box of wieners right there on the table. Hey, Homer, where are you? No, What do you mean? Sam, isn't it grand? What is? The way Henry has managed this entire affair with all the boys leaning on him. Why, with his capabilities, he might... He might even... Yes? Sam, I wouldn't say this to anybody else, but just think, President Aldrich. <laughs> That's going just a little far, Alice. I don't know if he got the proper guidance and help. For instance, Sam, I do think you should have let him have your car tonight. Nonsense, Alice. If I'd let Henry my car, he wouldn't have had the satisfaction of working this thing out for himself. Oh, I know. When he but... left here, he said he had a solution to the whole transportation problem. Well, that's true. When he works it out, the boys will respect him for it, and so will I. Well, I suppose so, dear. It's just that I understand boys better than you do. Now, where's that history of the Roman Empire? I'd better get over to the Clarks. Good heavens, what's all that racket? Well, Sam, open the door and see. What the... You speak to them, Alice. Where's my book? Oh, there. Sam, that's not your book. That's Henry's box of wieners. Oh, then this is the book. Hey, now look, boys. Let's go of this. Don't tell them. They'll lynch you. Sam, come back here. You understand, boys? Boys. Boys, listen to me.
happened to you? Oh, boy, everything. All the boys are right here in the living room waiting for you. They are? Oh, gee whiz. I explained to them that you were working out a way to get them all out to McCorkle's Rocks. And, dear, they were so excited they forgave you for everything. Mother, that's the whole trouble. They were going to have a hayride, only now they're not. Why not? Well, I was driving Sheila down Walnut Street, and she was as peaceful as can be when... Bang. What happened? All of a sudden, a fellow with his coat collar turned up, and his hat down over his eyes dashed right in front of Sheila and threw something. Yes? And the first thing I knew, there was hay all over the place. I was in the gutter, and Sheila was headed for home. Oh, my goodness. And, look, Mother, would you mind packing a suitcase and sending it over to Aunt Harriet's? Henry, why on earth should well, you... I'm just going to stay here a couple of weeks till the air clears. Now, dear, you can't do that. Uh... Henry, your father just came in. I'll talk to him and call you back. Okay. Sam, what on earth is that all over your coat? Hey. Hey? Hey, Alice. I'd just thrown the book up on the Clark's front porch when out of a clear sky I was nearly killed by a horse. <laughs> you mean it was you? What? Sam Aldrich, do you realize what you've done? What I've done? When you ran in front of that hay wagon, you upset Henry's whole apple cart. Alice, will you please explain what you're talking about? Just this, Sam. If you don't do something to help Henry, he'll never be able to face his friends again. I'm exhausted. Here you are, dear. I brought your slippers down for you. Thank you. But I'm too tired to lean over and put them on. Now, Sam, it wasn't really as bad as that. Alice, that's a long drive out to McCorkle's Rocks. Well, I do think you could have taken the boys out there without making two trips. There is a law, Alice, that says you can't take 14 boys in one car. Well, they aren't very big boys. Now, Alice. Well, the main thing is that Henry and his wieners and his friends are all out at McCorkle's Rocks. I'm sorry you're tired, dear, but I'm glad that Henry's happy. Seems to me that it should have been a simple thing for Henry to arrange a wiener roast without running into all that trouble. He did his best, Sam. He may have made a few little mistakes. That's just it. He should learn not to make mistakes. By one little mistake can alter the whole course of the world. Yes, dear. Oh, did I tell you Mrs. Clark phoned while you were out? Mrs. Clark? She didn't... They didn't see me, did they? Oh, no. They wanted us to come over and play bridge this evening. What's that? After all I've been through? I knew you'd be tired, dear, so I said no. Good. I invited them over here instead. <laughs> over here? Alice, why did you do that? The last thing in the world I feel like doing is playing bridge with the Clarks. Oh, you'd better answer the phone, Sam. I'll have to start on the refreshment. Uh, but, 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 Alice... That's a fine thing. Hello? Hello there, Mr. Aldrich. This is Walter Clark. Well, hello, Walter. I hear we're playing bridge tonight. Yes. Well, I, I'm delighted. Uh, look, Sam, would you mind if we brought along the refreshments? Oh, now, that won't be necessary. Well, we'd really like to. You see, earlier this evening, some stranger tossed a package up on our front veranda. What's that? And when we opened it, it turned out to be a box of wieners. <laughs> wieners? You mean... Oh, 
again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with your favorite youngster, his family, and his pals. The Aldrich Family, starring Ezra Stone, is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. That was the Aldrich family, and I believe there is a milk wagon coming up the street. McLean, if you will go get that milk from Virgil, I will wait for you here. With Why, the that pot. does, in fact, look like Virgil's milk wagon, mostly because I don't know anybody else who drives a milk wagon. I'll go meet him on the sidewalk. All right, yeah, don't spook that horse. That horse is so old, he hasn't been spooked since Sherman marched into Atlanta. Hey, Virgil. Say, you're uh, running a little late today, aren't you? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I am. Awful sorry about that, mister. Had a minor catastrophe on the farm this morning. Merely threw the day all out of order. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, nothing too serious, I hope. Well, it was a little bit. Our cow homogenized got herself stuck in between a couple of fence posts. Couldn't get her way through and put herself in reverse and back out. Why, it looked like the poor old gal was going to starve. Did you get her out? Yeah, took a little doing, but we managed to set her free. She's back in the barn now and just as happy as a clam. A one contented cow. Did he cut down the fence posts? Son, you're from the city, so don't quite expect you to understand these sorts of things. But you don't you don't go around whacking away at a couple of fence posts when you got your prized dairy cow stuck betwixt them. Not only is that a good way to make more work for yourself later when you have to rebuild them fence posts, but you're putting the old girl in a lot of danger having to saw a hatchet at them posts right next to her. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. It's, it's alright. So then, uh, how did you get her unstuck? Why, the only way you can get a cow unstuck. Started in on milking her till she deflated enough to slip out. <laughs> Well, here's your milk order. We threw in a little extra this week on account of us having to drain homogenized near dry. Better get going. My milking hand's been cramping up something awful this afternoon. Alright, I'll go put the milk inside the fridge. Alright, while you do that, I'm going to play this episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. It's an early one from 1939, and I'm going to return to raking the massive amount of leaves on our lawn. Seems like every time I get a nice pile formed, the wind kicks up. Ain't that always the way. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Silver McGee and Molly with Donald Novis, Bill Thompson, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Fine and Dandy. Haven't you often noticed how important floors are to the appearance of a home? 
It is a fact that mellow, gleaming wax floors bring out the beauty of everything in the room, adding a rich charm that you can acquire in no other way. Throughout America, there are countless floors that have been made more beautiful every year with genuine Johnson's wax. Every application of this famous wax polish gives increased protection and beauty. Johnson's wax gets right down into the pores of the wood, seals out dirt, protects the finish against scuffing feet and sharp heels, and does away forever with tiresome floor scrubbing. There are more than 100 labor-saving uses for Johnson's wax in your home. It protects and beautifies furniture and woodwork, window sills, parchment lampshades, leather goods. You'll find these extra uses listed on the familiar red and yellow package of genuine Johnson's wax paste or liquid. Try some tomorrow. is on the pumpkin and the fodder's in the shock, when the squirrels are hiding peanuts under every log and rock, when mince fire returns to menus and the stores dust off the holly, here's autumn, here's October, and here's F. McGee and Molly. McGee, look at those leaves out there on the front lawn. Why is it disgraceful? I thought you were going to rake them up today. Oh, what's the hurry, Molly? It took them seven months to fall down. I guess they can wait an hour to be raked up. <laughs> well, now I tell you, Mr. Gildersleeve next door has been complaining. Oh, that guy. He said our leaves keep blowing over in his yard. Well, what am I supposed to do? Arrange for the wind to blow down some other street? Just I can't control well, the Well, the fact remains, McGee. You promised to rake up those leaves today. Can't do it, Molly. Not today. Why not? The rake's busted. <laughs> Who busted it? Oh, well, it ain't exactly busted. <laughs> Matter of fact, I used the handle to put up a trapeze in the garage. <laughs> and you know what, Molly? I chinned myself nine times this morning. Oh, well, I'll take my hand. Well, if you think you're going to chin yourself out of raking up those leaves, you're better. Come in. Listen, Mrs. McGee. Yes? Did you read The Grapes of Wrath? <laughs> what if we did, bud? Who are you? Oh, just one of the bunch. Wow! <laughs> Of all the silly... Say, I hear one of the moving picture companies has bought that book, McGee. No, if they don't work faster on that than they did on Gone with the Wind, they'll have to call it the Raisins of Xanax. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're off the subject again, dearie. What subject? Breaking up the leaves. Oh, that's okay. I was tired of it anyway. (laughs) McGee, I believe you're just plain lazy. Oh, you wrong me, Mrs. McGee. Physical activity in itself ain't important. Oh, it isn't? Why, no. A rooster can strut around flapping his wings and crowing, but it's the quiet little hen sitting around all day who really produces. (laughs) Well, now, if you can sit there and hatch out some way to get those leaves raked up without a hole. Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, hi, Gil. What can I do for you? You can keep your old dead leaves on your own front lawn, McGee. That's what you can do for me. Oh, is that so? What do you want me to do, run out and lay a paperweight on every leaf? Don't be ridiculous. I realize you can't keep the leaves from falling off the tree. Oh, you admit that? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. Oh, oh. gentlemen, gentlemen. 
I don't think it's worth quarreling about. Well, I do, Mrs. McGee. So do I, Molly. Come on, Gildersleeve, let's quarrel. All right. Now look here, McGee. Why don't you do as the rest of the homeowners in this block do? Huh? Keep your lawn raked up. Every time I clean my lawn, the next morning I find your leaves have blown it over again. Well, so what? Am I a truant officer for dead leaves? A traffic cop for tired foliage? <laughs> That's not the point, McGee. Furthermore, I don't like your attitude. Oh, you don't. And how would you describe my attitude? Sitting down gently. I think your attitude is definitely antagonistic. Oh, you're too fussy, Gildersleeve. Yes, I am fussy. Well, I take a great deal of pride in the appearance of my property, McGee. Well, I can understand that, but do we complain because your lilac bushes smell up the whole neighborhood? <laughs> no. You mind your yard and we'll mind our yard. Well, why don't you then? Well, I, uh, uh well... I like leaves flying around loose, that's why. More informal. I ain't one to interfere with nature. I suppose I interfere with nature. Well, I heard a rumor one day that you gave your morning glories a balling out for opening up ten minutes late. Please, gentlemen, please. This is no way for good neighbors to talk. Ah, we ain't good neighbors. We're enemies. Ain't we, Gildersleeve? Yes, we are. You betcha. The best of enemies. You think I'm a stuffed shirt and I think you're a gabby little good-for-nothing runt. There, you see, Molly? You don't find me and Gildersleeve indulging in no sentimental hands across the back fence drivel. Mrs. McGee, your husband is impossible. I am not. I may be a little improbable, but I ain't impossible. Well, I think I can assure you, Mr. Gildersleeve, that our yard will be raked up today, sure. Ah, uh, thank you. Incidentally, Gildersleeve, uh, you got a rake I can borrow? I have a rake, but I'm using it oh. to take your leaves from my yard. And I'm dumping them all back over the hedge onto your lawn. My leaves, eh? Yes, your leaves. You admit they're mine, eh? Admit it? Of course I admit it. Okay, then I warn you, Gildersleeve. I'm very proud of them leaves. And if I find any of them damaged when you send them back... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of like that guy, Molly. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't get to know him sooner. Think of the swell arguments we've missed. <laughs> Say, aren't you ashamed, dearie? Huh? You should try and keep on good terms with your neighbors. You don't get far without friends, you know. Well, you don't have much excitement without enemies, either. But maybe you're right. I'll call up Mrs. Uppingham and see if she's got a rake I can borrow. Hand me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me wistful business 670... Oh, is that you, Mert? Fibber <laughs> McGee. Give me Mrs. Uppington. Oh, the line's busy, eh? Well, how's everything, Mert? No, no. Huh? Who? Your sister, eh? Got pinched, eh? Heavenly good. What's what say, Mert? <laughs> oh, she was bound to get caught sooner or later. Did you get her out? Oh. Huh? Oh, I see. No, I won't say anything about it. Okay, Mert. What do you know about that, Molly? What happened? Mert's sister had on one of them new bustle dresses and got pinched going through a revolving door. isn't getting the leaves raked up. Huh? Oh, yeah, the leaves. Well, I'll run over to Uppingdon's and borrow a rake. I'll be right back, Molly. I better go with you. Why, Molly, do, do you think I'd try to evade raking up them leaves? Don't you trust me? Oh, yes, I guess I do, dearie. Well, you better come anyway. I don't trust myself. Let's go. <laughs>
when the wind blows, the leaves will all fall, and I will be raking, raking all oh, fall. Don't rake so hard, Mickey. You're tearing up the grass. Okay, all right. Hello there, Johnny. Hello, daughter. How you fixed for cider? Only 60 cents a gallon. Nothing like it to liven you up at a Halloween party. <laughs> Matter of fact, there's nothing like it to liven you up. <laughs> In other words, there's nothing like it. <laughs> no, thank you, Mr. Oldtimer. I don't believe we want any. Hey! He says we don't want any, Oldtimer. Besides, I swore off that stuff. Not only sneaks up on you, it follows you around for four days. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I hear it. <laughs> the way I hear it, one fella says to tell fella, say, says, have you seen them new automobiles with a bed built in the back seat? Have I, says tell fella. I ain't only seen them, I just got my wife a job as chambermaid in the parking lot. <laughs> Well, sorry you don't want any cider, kids. It's good for what ails you, or ails you. <laughs> that old fossil. I'd like to meet that guy outside some bright night, Molly. Why, McGee? Well, I think ruins are much prettier by moonlight. <laughs> One side there, Mrs. McGee. You bother me. Oh, Look up there, McGee. Huh? There goes a flock of geese flying south for the winter. Oh, describe them to me, Molly. I'm too busy raking. <laughs> Never mind. But I wonder how it is that the geese always know which way is south. <laughs> That's easy. They follow the robins. Oh. How do the robins know? They look back and see the geese. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I said, oh, oh, look. Here comes Harlow Wilcox. I wonder what he wants. Now, you know very well what he wants. He wants to sneak in some advertising. Let's cross him up. Okay, McGee. Every time he starts selling, we'll change the subject. Okay. Well, hello there, Mr. Wilcox. Hello, Molly. Hello, Fibber. Cleaning up the lawn, eh? You betcha, Harlow. And speaking of lawn, did you know that the trapdoor spider conceals his nest so cleverly that sometimes he can't even find it himself? Can't find his own home, eh? Yeah. That's what he gets for hiding it. Maybe he's ashamed of it. I think people should be proud of their home. And if everybody used Johnson's wax to beautify and protect their floors... Say, uh, speaking of pride, Mr. Wilcox... Did you know that in some parts of Africa, it is still a matter of pride with the natives to eat their enemies? Oh, cannibalism. Oh, there's some of that in this country, too. People are eaten here every day. What? Why, sure. Eaten by envy when they see how their friends' homes are kept so shining and clean with such a minimum of effort with Johnson's wax. Why do you... Which reminds me, Harlow, did you know that in thinking, the human mind throws off a definite electrical charge? Is that so? Positive or negative? Well, uh, we... Well, the reason I asked is that a thought about wood floors and furniture would positively be negative on anything but Johnson's wax. Because it's the finest protective wax that money can buy. You see, <laughs> you terrific, folks. <laughs> that guy finds more openings than a marble in a fishnet. How about giving me a hand raking up these leaves, Harlow? Oh, sorry, pal. I haven't got time. But I'm glad to see you doing it. Because I think the outside of a house should be just as attractive and beautiful as the inside. And if Johnson's wax were... Oh, excuse me. Here comes my bus. I'll see you later, folks. <laughs> well, I wish you were as interested in your work as he is in his, McGee. Any guy with that much faith in his product ought to be testing parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's a good thing you're not. Why? You'd probably land right here in the yard right on your dead leaves. Oh, there, McGee. I'm glad to see you're finally raking those leaves up. Listen, Gildersleeve, let you and me play Stanley and Livingston. Uh, Stanley and Livingston? Yeah, only with a new twist. Let's pretend we never discovered each other. <laughs> oh, McGee, please. That's all right, Mrs. McGee. If that's the way he wants it. I merely saw him waking up these leaves, so I came over to bury the hatchet. Oh, skip it, Gildersleeve. When a guy wants to bury the hatchet, he usually has got an axe to grind. <laughs> now go away and let me work, will you? Oh, come, come, boys. After all, we're neighbors, you know. Well, my, my, all this fuss over a pile of dead leaves. There'll be no dead leaves on his family tree. It's too sappy. Oh, yeah. And there's a cuckoo nest someplace in yours, too. Is that so? Yes, that's so. McGee, I didn't like that remark. I don't think I like you either. I know I don't like your face. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want to make something of it? I'm too old for Halloween parties, so I'd like to make a mask of it. Good day, McGee. That guy kills me, Mark. Well, that's the first bit of foresight you've shown for a long time, dearie. Oh, I'm just kidding him. Hey there, little girl. Quit playing in that pile of leaves. I just raked them up. Oh, gee, I'm just going to look for some pretty leaves, I bet you. Oh, oh. You are, eh? Hmm? I says you are, eh? Oh, what? Going to look for some pretty leaves. Gee, that's a dandy idea. I guess I will, too. <laughs> Well, you were the one... Oh, 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 I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sis, run along home and don't bother me. I got all these leaves to rake up. Say, mister, what makes leaves turn all different colors like this? What does? Why don't they stay green all the time? Well, they're only green in the spring and summer, sis. They always turn red in the fall. Why? That red? How should I know? Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, sis. You know what a stop-and-go sign is? Sure I do, I betcha. Well, leaves are nature's stop-and-go sign. Um... Yeah. You see, sis, in the spring, the leaves are green, and that means go. Um... So the snow goes, and the cold goes, and little girls go out and play. Um, gee. Yeah. <laughs> then in the fall, the leaves turn red. That means stop. Stop and put on your mittens. Stop vacation from school. Stop and look for Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> you get the idea, sis? No. Hmm. <laughs> well, what's the matter? Don't you understand? Yes, but I bet you you don't, I bet you. Huh? The real reason the leaves turn red in the fall is that... Subsequent to the autumn equinox, the diminishing power of the solar rays is inadequate to supply the necessary chlorophyll to the foliage, thus resulting in a phenomenon familiar to us all of brilliant coloration. <laughs> so don't give me any of that malarkey about stop and go like <laughs> Donald Novus gives us an old favorite of his and ours and yours. Diane. Take it down. I'm in heaven when I see you smile. Smile for me, my Diane. And though everything's dark all the while, 
for me when you can. And wherever, my darling, I roam, smile for me, my I think there's a bit of a wind coming up. Okay. When I get all these leaves piled up and burned, Molly, you know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to lean the rake up against the hedge with its teeth snarling into Gildersleeve's window. <laughs> Just to remind him that he... Well, for scream's sake, Fisher. Why in the name of, for the love of Mike, are you doing laboring with manual? <laughs> Hello, Mr. DeCoppin. Oh, hi, Nick. Oh, I'm just raking up these leaves. You'll excuse me if I go right on working. We're afraid the wind will come up before I get through. Oh, that's hardly dirty, Fisher. And speaking of wind, I'm reading an awfully sweet little stories last night in a book by a man named Egypt who is always writing a lot of fables. Oh, I think you mean the Egypt who wrote the fables. I think I do, too. <laughs> anyway, this story is being all about the north wind and the sun. And in the book, they are both able to talk, which is not true in real life. Though if the sun could talk, he would probably get off some hot stuff. <laughs> You know what I mean, and if you don't, neither of us is missing much. Maybe you better tell us later, Nick. I've got to get these leaves raked up. Oh, you don't bother me, Fisher. I can tell you just as if you were loafing as usual. <clears throat> well, sir, it seems that the wind and the sun were having an argument about who is having the most strong personality. So they are deciding to take turns to make a traveling man take off his coat. The north wind is blowing and blowing with a half and a poof. And the man is only buttoning his coat all the more tighter. And then the sun is yes, tired. Yes, we know, and... Nick. The sun got hotter and hotter, and finally the guy took off his coat, and the sun won the bet. So what? Well, so it is all going to prove a little fact which is full of philosophy, poor Fisher. And the moral of the story is being, arguments is being won by brightness, not by being a blowhard. <laughs> say, hey. say I, I think there is a windy breeze coming up. I better go raise the awning on my candy kitchen. Well, so long, Cupid. So long, Fisher. Heavenly days, McGee. The wind is getting stronger. That dreaded ain't that just my luck. And here I am on my last pile of leaves. Oh, oh dear. dear. There they go, McGee. I'm going to run in the house and close the window. You better hurry, Molly. It looks like a hurricane. Hey. Hey, get that chair up there. 
My, my, that was quite a blow, wasn't it, dearie? What did you want? Look at this lawn. Am I the set? What did I rake my arms off for? Heavenly days, there isn't a leaf left, is there? Oh, not here. <laughs> Look over at Gildersleeve's yard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, piled up three feet deep. <laughs> Now look here, McGee. Oh, 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 the voice of experience. I've had about enough of this nonsense. Look at those leaves of yours on my lawn. Oh, well, what are you going to do about it, Gildersleeve? Have me pinched for blowing up a 40-mile gale in a 20-mile zone? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. But you could have raked those leaves up sooner. Oh. Look at my lawn. It's disgraceful. I'm going to see my lawyer about this, McGee. I'll take this to the United States Supreme Court. Well, the fallen leaves is unconstitutional. Maybe we don't... Oh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Uppington? Hi, Uppy. Uh, that was quite a storm we had, wasn't it? Almost a tycoon. Typhoon. Pardon me? Typhoon, Mrs. Uppington. Typhoon. Yes, a tycoon is a big businessman. Yeah, like me. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, I suppose one big bag of wind is just the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very good. <laughs> oh, pardon me, Mrs. Leffingwell, how rude of me. Uh, Mrs. McGee, may I present Mrs. Leffingwell? Uh, how do you do? How do you do, I'm sure. And uh, Mr. McGee, Mrs. Leffingwell. How do you do? How do you do? And Mrs. Uppington, this is Mr. Gilders, please. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? Uh, Mr. Leffingwell. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, how do you do? How do you do? <laughs> it's a pretty how do you do, ain't it, folks? You say your name is Leffingwell, sis? Yes, Mrs. Wentworth Leffingwell. Oh, well, it's nice to know you, Lefty. Are you a pal of Uppies? Well, you might say so, Mr. McGee. I am working with Mrs. Uppington on a committee. Oh, how cozy. Now, won't uh, you ladies come in and have a cup of coffee? Oh, uh, thank you, no, Mrs. McGee. Uh, some other time, Mrs. McGee. I will, Mrs. McGee. She didn't ask you, Gildersleeve. Nice of you to ask us, Mr. McGee, but really, this is more or less in the nature of a business call. Oh, okay, Uppy, here's your rake. I'd have brung it back if you'd have waited. Oh, I was not referring to the rake, Mr. McGee. Mrs. Livingwell and I are on the Better Homes and Gardens Committee of the Ladies' Club. Oh, yes, yes, the Ladies' Club. I believe my wife has spoken Quiet, about it. Quiet, Gildersleeve. Quiet. <laughs> Better Homes and Gardens, eh, Uppy? Well, if it's advice you're looking for, you come to the right place. I always was quite a hand with trees and flowers. And leaves. <laughs> yes, sir, I mind one time years ago, I had me one of the finest prune orchards in the country. Oh, not really. Fancy that. Yep, fancy prunes, too. <laughs> My prunes were so big, they whipped every other grower at the state fair. Prune Whip McGee, I was known as in them days. Prune Whip McGee, the pinnacle of perfection as a producer of prunes, peaches, pears, and pomegranates, proudly picking, packing, and purveying them to persnickety people who are pleased as punch to pay a pretty penny to possess such priceless packages of palatable products, and personally publicized as the premier paragon of the planet's profession from the pleasant parks of old Peoria to the, pardon me, girls, is all this bore you? <laughs> Charlotte didn't bore us a bit, Miss McGee. Uh, did it, Hildegard? Oh, very little, if any. <laughs> well, it bored me. Oh, well, you're too easily bored, Gildersleeve. A woodpecker could have fun with you. <laughs> he 
Is that so? Oh, now, now, gentlemen. As I remarked before, our club Better Homes and Gardens Committee had been making a survey to see who had the best kept lawn. And of all the lawns in the neighborhood, Mr. McGee, yours is by far the neatest. Here's... Now, listen here, ladies. Hey, wait a minute. The committee has the floor, Gildersleeve. Oh, thank you. And so, Mr. McGee, we are happy to present you with this silver plaque for the best-kept lawn in Whistful Disney. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Will you have your coffee now, Mr. Molly will be back in just a moment. And now I'd like to remind you again that if your kitchen floors are a problem to you, then try Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Nothing could be simpler than keeping floors clean and beautiful with this increasingly popular floor polish. Glow coat, you know, is self-polishing. That is, it polishes itself while it's drying without any work of rubbing or buffing. Twenty minutes after you put it on, your floors are sparkling and beautiful. Easy to keep clean, saving you hours of work. You can use glow coat on your varnished and painted wood floors as well as linoleum. The results are always satisfactory because of the uniform high quality of this famous product. Just try glow coat once and you'll never be without it. Spell G-L-O hyphen C-O-A-T, glow coat, in the familiar yellow and red can everywhere. Did you see that invitation we got to the NBC Halloween party? No, I didn't. Who's going to be there? Oh, everybody. Me and Bob Hope are handling the entertainment. Oh, you get paid? Oh, just a nominal sum. They get me for peanuts and Bob for apples. Oh. <laughs> Good night. Bob for apples. Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next week at this same time. Good night. The selection comes love is from Yoko Board. This is the National Broadcasting Company. All right, welcome back to Yesterday Today. That was Fibber McGee and Molly. Uh, we have finished raking the leaves, and we are now putting the leaves into bags because our city does not allow the burning of leaves within city limits. A choice which I am not a fan of. I know. I know you've been going to those city council meetings and, and demanding I'm, that we be allowed to burn our, our yard. All I'm trees, saying is, but... look, our country's been going downhill ever since cities banned the burning of leaves. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right, McLean. Do you want to introduce um, Claudia, I believe this is? Claudia. Yes, that's right. This is a little, little under-the-radar radio program we have here. Kind of not very well known. And frankly, I think that's a bit of a shame. This is Claudia. It was a 15-minute daily ongoing kind of sitcom that aired from 1947 to 1949. It originally aired during the summer of 1941, but uh, that show ended and eventually the premise got picked up again several years later. It's been described as kind of a soap opera, but I think that's really just because it fits like the 15-minute daily format of one. 
but content wise it's really kind of an anti-soap opera actually most of what i've seen about it is is that it's really sappy and a little over the top kind of a bit too happy um that's because it focuses on a married young married couple claudia and david as they go throughout their lives and and go through the daily daily monotony of of life together with one another that's they go through frankly, our lives doing life doing lifey lifey life things with their lives are they doing a lot of living, laughing, and loving, McLean? They live, laugh, and love throughout the entire series. And frankly, I kind of support a bit of the sappiness of this show. Uh, my, now, my theory, my theory is the show has kind of a continuous plot between episodes, but it's not, it's not like that big of a deal. And again, it's not a drama. It's a, it's a comedy. It's lighthearted. It's something you can turn on and listen to in the background. Now, my theory is the show is sponsored by Coca-Cola. And it's a 15-minute long daily show. My theory is that the good folks over at Coca-Cola decided that you needed a nice, pleasant program to listen to for 15 minutes every day, approximately the amount of time it would take to drink yourself a bottle of Coca-Cola and have a pause that refreshes. Well, isn't that nice of Coca-Cola? They're such a generous and giving company. They surely are. But sorry, not to sound too cynical. Not to sound yeah. too jaded. Let's think, let's think about what else they've given us over the years. High fructose corn syrup, diabetes, gosh. My point is we could use some of the uh, genuine happiness and pleasantness of Claudia, especially with Mr. Doom and Gloom over here. Anyway, sorry, I, I, brought, the, I brought the mood way down there. <laughs> These are two episodes of Claudia from the fall of 1948. Uh, they're about a month apart, so some stuff happens in between them, but it doesn't really matter. So here's uh, Claudia. Your Coca-Cola bottler presents Claudia, based on the famous play and novels by Rose Franken. Brought to you transcribed Monday through Friday by your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. Relax, and while you're listening, refresh yourself. Have a Coke. And now, Claudia. Oh, what's better than a good stretch? Especially when it's a home stretch. As <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, fall is going to be beautiful here on the farm, darling. Mm-hmm. Smells like fall tonight, doesn't it? Mm, it's a wonderful smell. There ought to be a perfume called burning leaves. Burning leaves. Mm. Hey, Imagine David. That behind your ear. Hmm? Don't settle down. I am settled down for a nice long evening by the fire, without a fire. The evening would be nicer if it were shorter. It's only nine o'clock. Well, Mama's gone to bed. If it's good enough for her, well, it's Mama good enough. Mama had a headache. I could work one up if I tried. It'll save your strength. Mm. What are you going to do? Well, I might do a little work on the new red schoolhouse. Work? Mm-hmm. Must you? You want to uh, be kept in mink, don't oh, you? Oh, well, I prefer muskrat. Well, even for muskrat, I have to do some homework. Then skip the muskrat. I'll wear sable. Young woman, if you're trying to wheedle me into spending an evening of idle chatter... I'm not interested in idle chatter either. Skadoodle, I'm busy. Oh, gosh. You don't want to talk at all? No. You really don't want to talk? Guess you don't. I can take a hint. Then take it. All right, all right, all right. Oh, Mr. Norton. Oh, Fritz, just a man I wanted to talk to. Fritz, what is it you have that I haven't? Uh, what is it, Mrs. Norton? That's what I wanted to know. Pay no attention to her, Fritz. I was just thinking of coming out to the kitchen. 
There's something I want to talk to you about. Yes. Oh, first try some of this new tobacco. See if you like it. Yeah. Well, uh, I... Go well, ahead. David has cans and cans of it. A rich client. I smoke it later. Now, no need to be so formal with me, Fred. Smoke it now. Well, yes. Danke, sir. Mm, smell that. Mm. How are you coming on the place? You still up to your ears and work? Oh, no. Besides working on this land, it's not work. It's a pleasure. Eats to his own taste, as the woman said when she kissed a cow. Oh, go kiss a cow. Don't you think we ought to hire some day labor on the place? But what for? Well, I was thinking of clearing out that underbrush behind the pasture. Ah, why spend money for lazy loafers? I soon get plenty of time. I do it myself quicker and better. No, I dare say you would. You mustn't kill yourself working. Well, don't, don't worry. I am the first to say when it is too much work. Mm, I'll bet. Hand me those matches. Huh? Uh, we yeah. have still no animals on the farm, so I am practically with nothing to do. Someday, I hope you... Well, don't count your chickens before they hatch. It's not chickens. I count but cows and pigs and... Well, we have to take uh, that work seriously. Well, a farm is not a farm without animals, and I promise you would not need any more help. I am a very good hand with animals. You don't have to tell me. Hmm. It's a fine tobacco, Mr. Norton. Sounds fine. Very fine. Mm. Here. I have an extra can. Well, I, I did not no, mean... of course it. you did, of course. Uh, well, I'll clear up the underbrush at the end of the week. Well, good night. Good night. Say good night to Bertha for us. Yes, I will tell her. David, hmm? why should we be so blessed? But we are. Have a chocolate? I'm smoking my, my, my pipe, Claudia. Mm, Don't squeeze the chocolates like that. I'm looking for one that's not figs or coffee. Well, take pot luck. It's rude to poke. Ooh, I got a green one, Ugg. Here, I'll take it. Thought you were smoking your pipe. Mm, green one is marzipan, Simpleton. What? Marzipan, I mean. Oh, I always wondered how you pronounced it. Mm-hmm. I detest marzipan. Mm, well, don't take my word for it. I think I'll comb out Shakespeare's hairballs. Now, that's one of your better ones. Better ones what? Non-sequiturs. Oh, them. While you comb out Shakespeare's hairballs, maybe I'll get some peace and quiet. I'll tell Shakespeare you're working. Kitty, 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 kitty. Can't you call him quietly? How would he hear? Cats have a sixth sense. But I haven't. You haven't got one. Oh, you're so sweet to me, darling. Here, kitty, 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 pussy cat. Shakespeare. Maybe he's gone upstairs. Shakespeare. Now, what would he do that for? I don't know. Maybe Guess he likes I better it look. Here, Shakespeare. Oh, don't you want to come and get cold? Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Peace and quiet. I hope that cat's hiding in the attic. Now. Hmm. Bub's dumb in this line. Oh, well. Do 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 Hey, Claudia! Maybe Shakespeare was in the attic. Claudia! Where are you? Hey! I'm in the nursery, David. Now don't tell me Shakespeare's keeping watch over Bobby. Come on in. I want my fountain pen. It's in the pantry. Come on in. What's it doing in the pantry? I needed it. Look, David. At what? Bobby. Look, he has his mouth open. 
Looks as if he were smiling. But it's gas. He smells so damp and sweet. Baby smell. If I were to walk blindfolded through an immense corridor of babies, I'd know which one was Bobby. You would, too. He looks like every other baby, and he smells like every other baby. Oh, that's what you think. Except I don't think you do either. Oh, David, he's ours. Hey, you're only supposed to kiss babies on the cheek. Shh, don't tell anybody on me. But it's, uh, it's different with wives. So come here. I'm glad I'm not a baby. Let's go down before we wake him. Claudia, hmm? what about his belly? What about it? He has one. He's supposed to. Will he outgrow it? Of course he'll outgrow it. I hope not too soon, though. I love it. Well, don't make a sissy out of it. Well, he's only two and a half months. A little while longer won't hurt him. You don't think it's um, sort of silly to go downstairs again? When our bedroom is right here down the hall. Did you say my fountain pen was in the pantry? All right, I'll bring it to you. Oh, what a bore. Well, don't loiter. I never loiter. Shakespeare, here you are. Now, come on, Shakespeare, you just sit on my lap. Be still or I'll wring your neck. I'm not hurting you, you dope. I haven't even touched you. So you don't have to cry in case. Now, be quiet. Hey, darling. Did you receive a notice of a life insurance premium? No. If anybody had sent a check, I'd remember. This isn't a check. It's a bill. You said it was a premium. Well, a premium is a bill for an insurance premium. You're getting repetition. Now, all I want to know is, did you receive it? If it's a bill, it's in the top drawer. If it's a premium, I don't know where I put it. Maybe I filed it under P. P? Only I haven't got a file. What do you want with it, anyway? I want to pay it. I thought life insurance was money you received, not gave out. Heaven grant me patience. I thought it was all velvet. You know better than that. Now stop trying to act dumb. All right, if you won't tell me. David, the moon. Never mind the moon. You've got to look. Look right right, right, right there through the window. Quick, put out the light. I will not put out the light. It's a harvest moon. Great, big, orange... Round. Make a wish. You only make wishes on new moons. I make wishes on harvest moons, too. I wish you weren't so dumb. And I wish life would never be any less wonderful than it is right now. You happy? Terribly. The light out the moon's twice as bright. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Apple tree will be fall soon in winter. David, don't work on the schoolhouse plans tonight. Well, I, and I don't do to. that life insurance thing either, please. Oh, I get pushed around. Don't do this, don't do that. David. Oh, the world is so full of a number of things. The world is full of two kinds of people. Those who quote Alice in Wonderland and those who don't. It isn't Alice in Wonderland, it's Tennyson. Anyway, we should be. What? Happy as kings. I'm as happy as kings. Are you? Oh, well, really, I'm happy. David. Mm-hmm. 
But before we go up to bed, I'm going to fill out this insurance premium thing. Where, where's the checkbook? Right there in the second drawer. Why do you always have to do something first before you do something else? Because that is life. Mm. Besides, you wouldn't want me to let my insurance lapse. Why not? Because then if I die, it wouldn't be worth anything to you. David, stop it. And I'm going to have to call all my insurance. I'm going to call them up and have it all arranged so that it's paid to you in a small amount regularly rather than in a lump sum. David, don't talk like that. Then I know you won't go out and lose it all at once. Then I won't have to worry. You wouldn't have to worry if you were dead. Oh, David, I hate talking about insurance and wills. And... Silly. How can you be so silly? I'm not silly. You don't understand. I couldn't live if anything ever happened to you. You'd live. You darn well would have to live. I wouldn't. I'd kill myself. What about Bobby? Bobby wouldn't matter. Oh, yes, he would. He'd matter more than anything else. David, please. Claudia, you're crying. Darling, hold me tight. You little fool. You little fool. Darling, what's the matter? I don't know. It's just talking all that silly nonsense. You're trembling. The spirit must have just walked over my grave. A minute ago, you were so happy as king. I still am, I Uh, guess. What's the matter now? Come on, tell me. I I don't know. I just can't explain. Maybe everything's too perfect, as if it just couldn't keep on that way. Oh, nonsense. Fritz and the farm and Bobby. Now, nothing's going to change. The harvest moon. Everything's so quiet. David, let's go up. I should have known I wouldn't get any work done. Don't joke. Darling, can't you tell me? Just as if I'd said goodbye. To what? To who? I don't know. To this whole evening that was mine and yours. Now it's gone by. There. There will be others. Of course there will, if you say so. Tomorrow night, the moon won't be so full, and tomorrow is never the same. Tomorrow might be better. Come on. Let's go up. Remember the old Cracker Barrel around which folks used to cluster in general stores? Sometimes nowadays it seems the Coke cooler has taken its place. You'll find a Coca-Cola cooler in shops and stores of all kinds today. But it serves as more than a pleasant meeting place. It also helps you shop refreshed. Oh, Mr. King. Yes, Fritz. You smoke a pipe? Yes, occasionally. Would you care to taste some of this excellent tobacco Mr. Norton gave me? I wouldn't mind if I did. Good, I bring you some. Ah, I smell rain for tomorrow. Oh, no, the moon's out. After the moonshine, rain. After the light, dark. After the pleasure, sadness. Ah, just a saying, Fritz. I wonder. But anyway, tomorrow it rains, and that is all, I hope. Now you speak as if something terrible were about to... Look, I'm not superstitious, and I refuse to be upset by a few clichés, Fritz. Yes, we wait for time. I bring you the tobacco. Do that, and thank you. Every day, Monday through Friday, Claudia comes to you transcribed with the best wishes of your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. So listen again tomorrow at the same time. And now this is Joe King saying au revoir. And remember, whoever you are, whatever you do, wherever you may be, when you think of refreshment, think of Coca-Cola. For Coca-Cola makes any pause the pause that refreshes. And ice-cold Coca-Cola is everywhere. And now, Claudia. 
David, don't stand so near the fire. You'll get scorched. I know what I'm doing. You stand back and watch out of this, where the sparks fly. Aren't you just sizzling? Not at all. The leaves are good and dry. You better keep the hose handy. Mm, it is. It is if I belong to hook and ladder squad number two. Mmm, what a wonderful smell. Look at all that smoke climb like the Indian rope act. Yeah, hand me the rake. David, are you sure you should be doing all this? <laughs> Never felt better in my life. Does a man good to get out of the house and do a little work around his place. Does a man good only if he feels well enough to be done good to by doing work around the place. How's your collarbone? Mended, thank you. How's yours? Fine. Besides, I'm not using my right arm, if you've noticed. Well, now, just don't overdo it, darling. Don't worry. I'm not doing any of the work. The fire is. Mm, it's coming in my eyes now. The wind's changing. We better move over to the other side. We're going to have millions more leaves to burn, aren't we? Mm, we'll have them, but not to burn. They're too valuable for that. For what? Well, they come in handy for mulching. That means enriching the soil. Oh, mulching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we certainly were smart to buy a farm. You have a smudge on your nose, Mrs. Farmer. I have? Mm -hmm. Stand still while I wipe it off. Mm. Can you find another smudge on me someplace? One kiss, that's all. Now skadoodle. Oh, why wasn't I a farmer's wife long before this? <laughs> I married you out of the cradle as it is. You know, being a farmer's wife is a lot more fun than being an architect's wife. I hate to think of you going back to the office. All the way to New York. You want to eat all winter? Not specially. You want a roof over your head? Not specially. You want to send our son to college? Oh. Well, he'll be bright enough to get scholarships. Do you want to keep this farm so that we can keep burning leaves in the fall year after year and raise cows and pigs? And chickens. Don't well, forget the chickens. Do you? Yes, I do very much. David? Hmm? You going to start being an architect again soon? Oh, any day now. Dr. Barry said it was all right? Dr. Barry will. And you're not to talk to him first, mind you. Me? Yes, you. I wouldn't dream of talking to him behind your back. What kind of a girl do you think I am? A scheming little wench. <laughs> that must be Roger. He said he might drive up to say hello. Yeah, that, that's Roger's car, all right. Oh, isn't it beautiful? The only trouble is it's so swank. I'd be embarrassed to drive around in it. Roger! Roger, hello, you're early. Hello! Hello! Hello, come on up, lend a hand. All right. Oh, you're burning leaves, you lucky people. Don't you know that's my favorite pastime? We extend you an invitation to join us. And I accept, I accept with great pleasure. How do you think David looks? Well, from over here, he looks fine. From over here, I looks even better. <laughs> That's good news. Oh, Roger, you're so dressed up. <laughs> Just my everyday city clothes. I came straight from the office. Well, stand back, man, or you'll get your suit ruined by one of these sparks. I would sacrifice a suit to a spark any day, my boy. Oh. Mmm, what a perfume. There's nothing in the world that smells one half as good as fall leaves smoldering in the brush. Look at him, David, smacking his lips. You'd think he was eating them. If they tasted half as good as they smell, I would eat them. <laughs> Any word from Carrington? What's new on the freight terminal, Roger? Well, I told him he could have the revisions in the pans in a little while, just as soon as you're well enough to draw them up. He's being patient. Yes, but how long is he going to be patient? Just as long as he has to be. That's not much longer. 
I'm about ready to get back into harness. Indeed? Yeah, there must be a lot of work piled up down at the office. It kept us going, but I'm neither as old or decrepit as your attitude implies. My dear Roger, you could be 125 years old, palsied in both arms and scurrying around in a wheelchair, and you'd still be able to design circles around any other architect I know. It's nice of you to say that. He means it, too. David often tells me he'd rather work with you than with the richest and biggest firm in the country. It's good to know. Mm. But seriously, when are you planning to get back to work? Seriously? If you need me, this minute. If you can wait, tomorrow. <laughs> Never felt better in my life. Just a few things I mustn't do, like driving a car and arduous gymnastics. But, well, I can get along without them just fine. So David, I'm... darling, um... I'm just dying of thirst. If you're feeling so healthy, why don't you go down to the house and get me a glass of water? Drink out of the hose. It's the same water. Right out of the nozzle of the hose? Well, why not? I'll drown. Now, you're not that clumsy. How do you know? Well, what do I have to do to get you to do one little simple thing for me, like getting me a little glass of water? This isn't like you, but all right, darling. Now, you watch the fire. Mm. It's still a slight wind, and there's quite a bit of dry brush around here. We'll be careful. I'm here now, so not a thing to worry about. I'm a past master at burning fall leaves. <laughs> oh, what a perfume. Mm. And the sound of that fire crackling it. Keep your symphonies, Claudia. I'll take this. What a perfect afternoon. Dusk, almost. Never mind. Moments like these mustn't last too long. Roger, I hate talking behind David's back, but there's a big favor you can do for me. There is. <laughs> then speak up, Claudia. Well, you can see that David's just champing at the bit, can't you? To go back to work? It's foolish. Yes, it is, but for a combination of reasons. I, I know him so well, he feels that he's left you in the lurch long enough. Ridiculous. Well, he feels that way, and you know how conscientious David is. To a fault. He hates the idea of being a loafer, of not fulfilling his duties and taking his share of responsibilities. His automobile accident was so sudden that he had to stop a lot of things in the middle, and they're bothering him. He, he can't wait to get them finished. Anything that he's left in the middle that has to do with the office can w wait until he's darn good and ready. I know, I know, but I can't tell him that, Roger. He'll think I'm trying to keep him home or that I'm nervous about him or something like that. It, it makes him impatient and it makes me nag and it's not good. So you want me to tell him not to hurry back? Think you could convince him? I don't promise you anything. That husband of yours is no easy man to handle, even with kid gloves. Especially with kid gloves. I guess maybe I... I wouldn't have married him if he had been easy to handle. He's an awful lot of man. I love him for it. Good girl. You know, there are a lot of women who want to marry putty, clay in their hands. Not I. I only wanted to marry David. How are the leaves coming? Burning. I have your glass, madame. Oh, aren't you sweet to me? So thoughtful, too. There's a kiss. Go away. We're in public. <laughs> now, untwist the hose and you can fill your glass. Here. There you are. It's lukewarm. Well, it hasn't been on ice. How remiss of you. I can't drink lukewarm water. Aren't we fussy? We are. 
Any objections? And I'm not going back to the kitchen to get you a glass of iced water. Nobody asked you to. I will go myself. Why didn't you think of that in the first place? Then I wouldn't have had to carry this heavy glass back for you. One little favor I ask of you. All I get is complaints, complaints. You stay here and talk to Roger. I'll show you who's an independent 20th century woman. <laughs> and she is, you know. Yeah, don't I know? Oh, I dare say that Claudia could get along under any circumstances. Yeah, a lot better than we could, probably. Probably. Oh, listen to those leaves. Now, David, uh, when are you contemplating to start coming into town? I told you, today's Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, Thursday... So soon, really. Why not? I have no more excuses, Roger. Unfortunately, I'm all in one piece again. Uh, did the doctor really say that you could? He will. I'll check with him tonight. I, I don't see what's your big hurry. Well, I have a wife and child. As you know. long as the firm functions, with or without you, your wife and child will be taken care of. Believe me. I believe you. Good. That's why I feel I've got to get going. I'm not a man who accepts gifts easily. Great mistake. But in this case, it doesn't matter because it's not a gift that's offered. It's your right and your due. I think you're a fool to rush back. You know, once back, you're back. And there will be no getting away from it. Uh, I know. There aren't going to be many falls like this one. Falls when you can stay home and burn leaves. Tend to your land. And supervise the rebuilding of your barn yourself. Each fall is a very separate occasion. Very special. And there will be plenty of Octobers to spend in the office wishing you were out here. And no excuses. I know that, too. Now you have the chance. And excuses. Roger, you're giving with one hand and taking with the other. You tell me to stay out here in the country and rake my leaves in one breath and then... With the next, you tell me that Carrington is getting impatient for the terminal. Plans. Carrington will wait. Oh. Or if you feel like working, why don't you work out here? You have a drawing board, instruments, all the equipment you need. Don't waste time commuting back and forth on the train. Get to work. And those hours you'd spend traveling, you can spend working on the farm or, or taking it easy. After all, a runner doesn't start sprinting with a mile. He, he starts with small distances. Hmm. Get thee behind me, Satan, and push. <laughs> Seriously, though. A lot of things to be done up here, things I want to do. Jared Tucker gave us a pig, you know. We have, to, we have her put up in the barn now temporarily, but she wants to have a place of her own. And Fritz has been itching to get a cow. Of course, the barn has to be finished, and there's some work that has to be done on the grounds before winter sets in, and it's fall. Our first fall on the farm. Strange when you own a piece of ground, how each season becomes an occasion. Then let it be an occasion. All right. All right, you've convinced me. I'll stay up here. By gosh, I, I, I won't come back to New York. How's that? You mean you've made up your mind? Mm-hmm. My mind is made up. But, David, it was so simple. Well, that's not fair. What isn't fair? <laughs> well... I thought I was going to have a good fight on my hands. Uh, uh, come on with the fire. Just wait till I tell Claudia about the man she married. Who's the best-natured party-giver in your family? Probably the teenager, if there is one. 
for young folks have discovered the happy secret of easy entertaining. As long as there's plenty of coke in the house, they don't worry. Many an adult hostess could profit from that example. Serve your guest ice-cold Coca-Cola and visit refreshed. Well, Mr. King, uh, mind if I interrupt you to say hello? Oh, quite on the contrary. It's good to see you again, Mr. Killian. Thank you. Country's beautiful, isn't it? I should say it is. I did a pretty good job with David, didn't I? Yes, you certainly did. Though, uh, with due respect for your talents, you didn't have to do much doing, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't. And it wouldn't take much coaxing to coax me, either. To stay out here in the country? Just for the night. Because I have to get back into town in the morning. Well, consider yourself coaxed. Because, as a matter of fact, the table is set for you and your bed is made. I know Claudia expected you to stay. That's good. I'll stay the night. But in the morning, I shall be on my way. We'll see about that tomorrow. But have a nice stay, Mr. Killian. Oh, I will. As I was about to say, every day, Monday through Friday, Claudia comes to you transcribed with the best wishes of your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. So listen again tomorrow at the same time. And now this is Joe King saying au revoir. And remember, whoever you are, whatever you do, wherever you may be, when you think of refreshment, think of Coca-Cola. For Coca-Cola makes any pause the pause that refreshes. And ice-cold Coca-Cola is everywhere. This broadcast of Claudia was supervised and directed by William Brown Maloney. All right, welcome back to Yesterday Today. That was Claudia. Up next, we have The Great Gildersleeve. And what I, what I believe is one of the, one of the most classic uh, show openings of uh, old-time radio. I've used it in a few things I've made over the years just because I like it. It's, it's very evocative, I think. But, uh, yeah. In the meantime, we finish bagging up these leaves and McLean scaring them out to the curb. So, uh, yeah. How is it that a couple days ago, when I walked into our studio... We just had, you know, like a couple of small, like, saplings out front. And then today, when we have to rake all the leaves up, they're, they're giant oaks and redwoods and sequoias that drop, like, 40 but bags like, Redwoods leaves. and sequoias don't have leaves. Huh? My point is, there are a lot of bags of leaves here. I, I, I'd love, I agree with love you. To... They're maples, McLean. They're not redwoods, all I'm saying. Anyway, this is uh, Greg Gillisleeve. The Kraft Foods Company presents The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. It's The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, brought to you by The Kraft Foods Company makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Let us journey now to Summerfield. Summerfield, the city of homes, nestling like a pearl in the golden setting of the autumn countryside. Trees. Trees are one of the loveliest features of this lovely little town. Shimmering poplars, stately elms, giant maples lining the quiet streets. And as they turn from crimson to gold, the leaves come drifting down. And as the leaves come drifting, in each front yard we find a small boy raking, raking away for dear life. 
Ah, the simple joys of youth, the rich reward of living close to nature. For as he reaps the golden harvest, raking the leaves into orderly piles, ever and anon comes the playful wind and scatters them. Oh, for corn's sake! How am I going to get anywhere with this? Find where to spend Saturday. He wants the long rake. Why doesn't he come out and do it himself? Well, Leroy, that was quick. Finished already? Are you kidding? Excuse me, Mr. Gilfried. Is it all right if I clear away the dishes? Go right ahead, Bertie. You're finished, aren't you, Marjorie? What? Oh, yes. Just leave the coffee, Bertie. I always like a little coffee with my morning paper. Yes, sir. You sure do. Now, <laughs> <laughs> well, Leroy, what seems to be the trouble? Why aren't you out raking leaves? It's a darn wind. The minute I rake them up, they blow away before I can get them in the basket. Well, uh... I need somebody to help me. Help you? That's ridiculous. All right. How would you do it? Where there's a will, there's a way, my boy. Yeah. Huh? Uh. I'll tell you what. If you finish raking up the yard by this afternoon, I may have a nice surprise for you. What? You're invited to a birthday party. Yeah? Who's? I said you'd be delighted to come, provided you finish up your work first. Yeah, yeah. Whose party? Little Craig Bullard's. What? That little punk. Yeah. I think it was very nice of his mother to ask you. She called up a few minutes ago. That and... does it. I give up. I quit. I'm not going to any party with any kindergartners. Kid, I told her, Leroy, that you would come. Gosh, I think I might have something to say about it. I think you might have asked me. I don't have to ask you, my boy, because you're going and that's all there is to it. Gosh, there goes my Saturday. All right, now you're going out and rake those leaves. Okay, but I need somebody to help me. Why can't Marge help me? She's not doing anything. I'm busy. Yeah, reading a book. Go rake the leaves, Leroy. <laughs> I don't see how she gets to read at the table. You'll never let me. He's right, my dear. You know the rule, no reading at the table. What about you? This is different. I'm reading the newspaper. Merely trying to keep abreast of the times. She's still reading, Unc. <laughs> What's the book, Marjorie? The Art of Ballet Dancing. Tweet, tweet. Leroy, what did I tell you? You go out and rake the leaves. Well, I don't see why I have to be the only one that ever does any work around here. Now, that is a gross misstatement of fact. Well, if anybody ever caught you lifting a finger around here, they'd drop dead. Oh, <laughs> I'll leave it to anybody. I'll leave it to Bertie. How about it, Bertie? What's that, Leroy? Yes, Bertie, how about it? Don't I do twice as much work around here as Unc? Well, Bertie? I pay it. <laughs> She's afraid to say so. She's afraid if she tells the truth, you'll fire her. Leroy. Okay, okay. Leroy, you hadn't ought to talk to your uncle like that. Just leave this to me, Bertie. Leroy didn't mean nothing, Mr. Gilson. Just leave this to me. Young man. I'm going, Uncle. You will rake the entire yard, front and back. Every inch of it. Every leaf, every twig, every pebble. All of it? All of it. He. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I'm going. Yes, by George. There's one thing I demand of a boy, it's respect. Why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't I take a little... Well, take it easy. Yeah, why shouldn't I? I work hard at the office all week, trying to support everybody. And I come home here and... Well, Marjorie? If you'll excuse me, I think I'll go upstairs. Marjorie, this is a matter of discipline. This is... 
you ask me, a man's entitled to a little rest. After he's worked hard all week. Besides, a boy ought to learn to help around the house. Acquire the proper work habits. That's important. I had to learn to work when I was a boy. Through with your coffee now, Mr. Gilsley? Yes, Bertie. What's on your mind? I didn't say nothing. No, but you're thinking something. <laughs> now, what is it? Well, I was just thinking that's an awful big yard for such a little boy to have to rake. Oh, all right, I'll rake the yard myself. Ye gods! Rake, rake, rake. Where does it get you? Like bailing water with a sieve. Sure, sure, get a little place raked clean and more of them fall down. The more you rake, the more there are. Oh, darn wind. That's right, go on, blow them all over the lot. Well? What you doing, Gilda? What does it look like I'm doing, Hooker? Baking a cake. I never thought I'd live to see the day. The great Gildersleeve actually working. I wish I'd brought my brownie. Judge, if you have nothing better to do than scoff at honest toil, I suggest you proceed on your way. Oh, I haven't come to scoff, Gildy. I've come to admire. All I ask is to be allowed to stand here and watch you. This is something I want to tell my grandchildren about. You optimist. Look, Judge. <laughs> judge, I have no time to waste on heavy-handed wit. You're going to hang around, grab a basket, and get to work. Don't you wish it. <laughs> oh, goat. about the tenth person who's come along here and asked me what I was doing, Leela. Ye gods, can't they see what I'm doing? Well, it's not that they can't see it, Throckmorton. They can't believe it. <laughs> you too? <laughs> what you gonna do with the leaves, Bannon? I suppose so. Oh, good. I love the smell of burning leaves, don't you? Makes me cough. Oh, but it's so, so romantic. Somehow burning leaves always remind me of fall. Don't they use Rock Martin remind you of fall? Naturally, that's the only time you can burn them. I declare, I don't believe you have an ounce of romance in your nature, Rock Martin. Oh, I don't know. Didn't you used to play in the leaves when you were a child? Didn't you ever get a great big pile of leaves and just fling yourself into it? Once. Well? I went right through it. <laughs> I was a little heavy in those days. <laughs> Did you ever play Babes in the Woods? Babes in the Woods? How do you do that? Well, it takes two. I lie down and you cover me up with leaves. And then you pretend you're a big bear and you come crawling around looking for me. And uh, what if I find you? Oh, you always find me. You know where you buried me. 
Well, where's the game? What do I do when I find you? What do bears always do, silly? They give you a bear hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so scary and such fun. Look, I'll show you. All right. Hey, Leela, look out. My leaves. I just finished waking those up. Oh, I beg your pardon. I mean, don't mess them up, that's all. I wouldn't think disturbing your leaves for the world, Throckmorton. Well, you don't have to get angry, Leela. Angry? Over a silly little old game like Babes in the Wood? Gracious, I don't know what you're thinking of. Well, that's good. But if you should ever feel like a game of pin the tail on the donkey, let me know. I know just where to pin it. Oh. I'll leave you to your precious leaves. <laughs> Well, hello, Peavy. Raking leaves, I think. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Peavy. Well, it's a nice day for it. Not too hot, and on the other hand, it's not too cold. No, just about right. That's what I say. When you come right down to it, I believe the fall of the year is just about my favorite season. That's so? Of course, winter is nice if you're prepared for it. So is spring. And then there's summer. Too true. On the other hand, you can run into bad weather. Any time at all. Yes, sir, I've seen some awful winters. Some terrible springs and falls. Uh, tell me, Mr. Gildersleeve, if you don't mind my inquiring. Yes? How do you come to be doing this, this... Raking. Lose a bet? Ye gods, Peavy. Is there anything so strange about this? I suppose you've never seen a man rake leaves before. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I will say this. I, I've never seen you rake them. What is this? Conspiracy? Who sent you over here, Peavy? Why, nobody. I, I was Somebody just... sent you over here to heckle me. Now admit it. Mr. Gildersleeve, I, I was just on my way home. Was it Hooker? Well, I'll own I did run into the judge on the way. Yeah, I knew it. Why, George, I'd like to know what this country's coming to when a man can't putter around his own front yard without getting a lot of so-called wit and a lot of free advice from every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes down the street. Is that democracy, Peavy? Is that what we've been fighting for? Well, is it? I beg your pardon? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what I think it is. It's communism. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Yes, it is. It's communism. Everybody minding everybody else's business. Mr. Gildersleeve, not so loud. Well, I'm ready for him. Let him come. I got a shotgun right upstairs in my bedroom closet. Let him come. Mr. Gildersleeve, nobody is coming. What's that? I say nobody is coming. Oh, no. <laughs> of course not. How did we get started on communism? I don't know. I said something about the weather. I believe I remarked that it was a nice day. Nice day for raking leaves. Yes, it is. Fine day. Yeah. Well, I guess you'll want to be getting on with it. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hey, goodbye, Peavy. Glad you dropped by. Where's that rake? Oh! Who left that upside down? Can Leroy play? Oh. Hello, Craig. Hi. What you doing? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, Craig. I'm going to ask you to guess. Where's Leroy? I want him to play with me. Leroy? He's around someplace, I guess. I want him to play with me. Well, come to think of it, I guess he went downtown. No, no, here he comes now. Hello, Leroy. You want to play with me? Oh, 
Oh, hi, Craig. No, I don't want to play. I'll see you when the party starts. I want to play now. Scram, kid. <laughs> Leroy. <laughs> Leroy, I'm surprised at you. That's no way. If Craig wants to play, well, confound it, play. Oh, for corn's sake. Hey, that's quite a pile of leaves you got there, Unc. Just shows what steady work will do, my boy. What are you going to do, burn them? Yeah, you got a match? What would I be doing with matches? I don't know, but I've always suspected you of carrying them. <laughs> well, I'll just have to go in the house and get one, I guess. I see you're not going to offer to. Did you get me a present, Leroy? Yeah, I got one. How much did it cost? Buck. Is that all? That's all my uncle would give me, and if you don't like the present, just give it back. That's all. What is it? None of your business. I'll bring it when I come to the party. Okay. My, mo- my mother ordered four hamburgers for every kid that's coming. Four apiece? That's what she said. I heard her. And three kinds of ice cream. Ice cream or sherbet? Ice cream. Gosh. After, summer, ma- after supper, a magician is coming to do tricks. A magician? A real one? Sure, a real one. My father's going to pay him. Hey, neat. Boy, this might be a pretty good party after all. Huh? Uh, it sounds like a swell party. You think the magician will need an assistant? You know, somebody like me that knows his stuff? I don't know. I want to play. Sure, Craigie, old boy, let's play. What do you want to play, huh? Oh, wait, here comes Unc. Boy, now we'll have a bonfire. Hey, you boys, stand back. Here, get out of the way. I thought I told you and Craig to play. Well, we are. We were just about to start, weren't we, Craigie? We were just deciding what to play. I know what I want to do. Okay, what is it? Let's run through this pile of leaves. <laughs> I don't think that's a very good idea, Craig. I want to run through the leaves. Come on, Leroy. Gosh, I don't know. Now, you boys find something sensible to do, huh? There are plenty of nice games. I want to run through the leaves. You must not run through the leaves, Craig. I've spent all morning raking these leaves together. Come on, Leroy. Let's run through the leaves. No, I don't think we'd better, Craig. Well, I'm going to. Come on, it's fun. Don't do it, Craig. Here I come. Whee! Oh, boy, you little... Come here. Come here, you little rascal. Oh, I'll kick that kid. Well, hello, Craig. Hello, Gildersleeve. Oh, hello, boy. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I was just escorting little Craigie across the street. <laughs> the great Gildersleeve will be back from across the street in just a moment. Say, ladies, did this ever happen in your kitchen? Gosh, Mom, something smells awful good. Oh, boy, fresh-baked bread. Right you are, Johnny. I just took some bread and rolls out of the oven. Can I have some now? Please, Mom. Well, they've got to cool off a bit first. Anyway, you like them best spread with parquet margarine. And Dad used the last bit of parquet on his breakfast toast this morning. Oh, gee, Mom. Oh, cheer up, Johnny. I phoned the grocery, and he says that the... Craft truck delivered some fresh parquet to his store just an hour ago. Then here I go. I'll be right back, Mom, with some parquet. Oh, boy. Fresh rolls and fresh parquet. And that's the kind of enthusiasm you'll find in millions of American homes for the fresh, delicate flavor of parquet margarine. A fine, fresh flavor that's still unmatched. Parquet is mighty nourishing, too. High in food energy and fortified with important vitamin A. And parquet is easy on your food budget, 
only about half the price of costly spreads. So tomorrow, buy delicious, economical parquet. P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet margarine made by the Kraft Foods Company. Now let's get back to the great Gildersleeve. Leroy has raked the leaves together again, and now his uncle thinks it's time to burn them. Hey, Uncle, can I light up the pile? Can I, I rake them up? You might light it, Leroy. The laborer is worthy of his hire. Give me a match. Here, two matches. That's all a Boy Scout is supposed to need. I'll get by with one. Just watch. Uh, there. She's going, Uncle. Seems to be. Uh, why don't you light it on the other side, my boy, too, huh? Get her going faster. Good idea. Boy, she'll be roaring in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Smells good, doesn't it? Super. Hey, the wind acts like a regular bellows. Look, it's red hot. Hold the pile down with a rake, Leroy. We don't want this thing to get away from us. Okay. Boy, is that hot. Yes, sir. Why, I'll bet it... Oop, <clears throat> give me that rake. Darn wind. Hey, you better give me the rake. The pile's starting to blow away. Oh, on your toes, Leroy. Stamp it out over there. Okay, I got it. Oh, my goodness. Look out, Leroy. Get that little patch over there. I'm getting one over here. Oh, it's hot. Yeah, it's blowing across the street, Leroy. Catch it. We must let this thing spread. It's flooding. Hey, it's an old man Bullard's head. Oh, well, put it out. Gosh, his head is burning. Hey, what the devil's going on here? What do you think's going on, Bullard? We're trying to put out a fire. Yeah, in my head. Huh? Gildersleeve, that barbary cost me 50 cents a plant. If I lose Keep it, your I... shirt on. We're getting it under control. Yeah, it's out now. Great. Well, get back on those other places. Okay. What the devil was the idea of trying to burn leaves on a windy day in the first place? It was not windy when I started. You're crazy. It's been windy all day. Not a breath of air. Well, if my hedge had burned, I'd have called the police. I have a half a mind to call them anyway. I dare you. I'll sue you for false arrest. If you'll come down off your porch, I'll... Come on down, brother. (laughs) I wouldn't bother. Get off my property. Why, you... And another thing. Tell that nephew of yours he needn't come to Craig's birthday party this evening. Oh, I wouldn't let Leroy come to Craig's birthday party if he wanted to. Um, Why, even if your kid was... The coward? Well, I guess I told him. Now, Leroy, stop moping about Craig's party. It's all your own fault if you miss it. My fault? Told you it was too windy for a fire. You've been more alert. Never gotten into Bullard's hedge. What if it did? You didn't have to offer to punch him in the nose. Gosh, every time I get a chance for some fun, you manage to spoil it. Leroy, I'm sorry. If there's anything I... What are you looking at, Leroy? Just looking out the window. Is it against the rules to look out the window? No, no, of course not. I... There's a truck from the meat market. Oh? They're getting four hamburgers for each kid. Some kids wouldn't want that many, so there's sure to be some left over. I probably could have had six. Well, well, I'm beginning to see what's bothering you, my boy. You're hungry. All that work and then that excitement putting out the fire. Maybe we can have hamburger over here, too. How'd that be, hmm? Doesn't matter what we eat. But gosh, missing all the fun. Fun? They'll probably cook the hamburgers outdoors. Regular picnic. A picnic. The very thing. We'll have one ourselves right here. Where? Right here in our cozy little parlor. 
We'll light the fire, and you and Marjorie and I will have a picnic. We'll make popcorn, toast marshmallows, and roast apples. Ever eat a roast apple? No. Nope. Best thing you ever tasted. We'll have more fun than the Bullards ever thought of having, Leroy. Bye, George. Leroy, what are you looking at now? There's the ice cream truck. <laughs> Gosh, a whole freezer. Leroy, let's look on the bright side, huh? After all, this morning you didn't even want to go to Craig's party. This morning I didn't know he was going to have all this stuff. Yeah. Holy cow, this is going to be the best party in years. Now, now. What am I going to do with this lousy present? You may keep it. I don't want it. Well, then throw it away. Take it back to the store and exchange it. I don't care about the present. I want to go to the party. Leroy, cheer up, huh? We're going to have a lot of fun right here. Yeah. You bet. (laughs) Marjorie! Marjorie! What is it? Come on downstairs. We're going to have a picnic. Smell those roasting apples, Leroy. Don't they smell good? I guess so. I'll be done in a minute. Time to pop the popcorn. Where is the popcorn, Marjorie? What? I said, where's the popcorn? Oh, there's the box up in the mantel. Gee, we've had that stuff for years. Oh, no matter. It's always good. (laughs) I'd like to see you take a little more interest in our picnic, my dear. We can't have any fun if you're just going to sit there reading a book. We can't have any fun anyway. (laughs) We can't have any if we don't try, my boy. Put your book away, my dear. We're going to make popcorn. Well, we can't all do it. Let Leroy do it. Leroy's going to toast marshmallows. You make the popcorn. Marshmallows. Popcorn. Here, Leroy. Here's a toasting fork. Nice long one. Here are the marshmallows. Now, Marjorie, we'll pour some corn into the popper. There. Now, in no time at all, those little kernels will be big, white, crunchy tidbits. You sound just like a radio announcer. Huh? Here. You have to shake the popper over the fire, my dear. Okay. Leroy, you take the... Leroy, what are you looking at now? The kids are starting to arrive. There's Donald Kelsey and Robert Rosenblatt. Leroy, what do you care who goes to their old party? We're having our own party here. There's Peter Fisher. There's Piggy. Stop looking out of that window, Leroy. I forbid you to look out of that window anymore. Oh, gosh, I want to see the magician. The magician. Leroy, what do you think? The roast apples are done. How about a nice roast apple, huh? I'm not very hungry. You'll be hungry when you taste this. Where's the plate? I'll pull one apple out of the fire just for you. Bertie, bring me a plate, quick. Yes, sir, right away. How's the popcorn coming along, my dear? It isn't. Huh? Well, shake it. Never get any place just holding it still. Here's a bracelet to you, please. Is that all you wanted? That's fine. Thank you, Bertie. Here, I'll have to brush the ashes off this. There. Now, Leroy, you just sink your teeth into that and tell me if you've ever tasted anything finer. Okay. Careful. Hot. Yeah. Better blow on it. Okay. (laughs) Now. Why, it tastes just like baked apples. It does? And I hate baked apples. (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sake. Well, we'll forget the baked apples. Let's get back to the marshmallow and the popcorn. How's it coming, Marjorie? It's dead, Uncle Mort. I think it's too old to pop. Nonsense, my dear. Here, let me give it a shake. Hmm. Devil's the matter with it. Come on, you little pop. (laughs) I'm not putting the stuff in these poppers anymore. Pour in another batch, my dear. But, Uncle Mort... Do as I say. I'm going to the door. 
Oh, good evening, Mr. Gildersleeve. Who's that? Oh, hello, Mrs. Bullard. I came over to see what's happened to Leroy. Why isn't he at Craig's party? Leroy was canceled by Mr. Bullard. <laughs> My goodness. Now, isn't that ridiculous? I couldn't believe it when Rumson told me. Of course we want Leroy at the party. Why, Craig simply adores him, and so do I. Well, he... Rumson Bullard, don't hang back there like a thief in the night. You come up here and straighten this thing out. I was just coming, my dear. <laughs> oh, uh, hello, Gildersleeve. Hello. <laughs> well? Well, Rumson? Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, Gildersleeve... I'm afraid I lost my temper this afternoon. No, no, Bullard. I lost mine. Well, you had reason to lose yours. I, uh... It seems to me I threatened to call the police. Mercy. He was right, Mrs. Bullard. He should have called them. No, no. No, nonsense. <laughs> Little accident. No damage done. I'm tired of that Barbary hedge anyway. I don't like... I mean, it's a beautiful hedge. <laughs> I wouldn't have injured it for the world. Well, anyway, Gildersleeve, I'm sorry... And I do hope Leroy can change his plans and come to Craig's party. Oh, boy, can I? Oh. Just wait till I get Craigie's present. <laughs> well, I guess Leroy can arrange it, all right. Oh, I'm so glad. Here it is. All wrapped up. A box of crayons. I hope he likes it. So long, Uncle. Hey, goodbye, Leroy. Have a good time. Don't worry. Uh, say, wait a sec, will you, Mrs. Bullard? I want to tell my sister something. Say, Marge, you know I'm going to Bullard's after all. I know. Well, the only thing is... Unc worked pretty hard trying to fix up all this stale stuff over here. So, pretend you think it's fun, will you? All right. Okay. Goodbye, Marge. Goodbye, Unc. And now, a word from our sponsor, the Kraft Foods Company. Uh, just a minute, Mr. Lung. Uh, Lang. Uh, <laughs> It just happens that the sponsor's given me this time this evening, so shove over. Well, go ahead. Get off the property. <laughs> Folks, the war is over, but there's still millions of our men in the service who are a long way from home. They aren't going to get home for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for a long time after that. If we can't bring all the boys home, let's do what we can to bring a little bit of home to them. We can do that through the National War Fund, which provides them with movies and entertainment and such other comforts as can be brought into camp life. Of course, the War Fund also provides for the relief of our allies abroad and for many important community needs at home. I don't know any way that you can make a dollar go farther or do more good. So when they come around to ask you to contribute, be generous, will you? Good night, everybody. The Great Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It is written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. The music is by Jack Meeker. This is John Lang speaking for the Kraft Foods Company and inviting you to listen in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. All right, that was the Great Gildersleeve, and uh, this brings us to the end of yesterday today. I am curious, though, however, as I am currently watching Sidney Snortoff, who returned from wherever he went today, only to take the bags of leaves we put out by the curb tear them open, dump them out on the lawn into a pile, and jump in them. Sydney, what are you doing? You had us rake these up all day, and now you're jumping in the piles? Yeah, we said rake them up. I never said bag them up, guys. <laughs> That's why I wanted them raked up, so I could jump in them. That's like the only reason you should ever have trees, is so you can jump in the leaves in the fall. It's very fun.
Sidney Snorthoff? Yes. Sidheimer von Snorthoff. That's my name. Don't worry about it. I'm going to kill you. Understandable. Um, I have important professory things to do at my very important professory job at the college that I work at. Bye. Sidney! He's a slippery fellow. We gotta get to the bottom of this college thing. It just, I'm just not, I'm not happy with any of this. All I'm I'm saying is jumping in piles of leaves is not a very dignified look for a professor. Even at Willie's fake, fake school. I have to agree with you on that one. This has been Yesterday Today, folks. Uh, Thanks for listening.